Hi, welcome to this fresh teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David, I'm the pastor of Foundation Church and uh, today we are back in our series called Restoration. This is part three, looking at Ezra chapter three. Ezra is a book in the Old Testament uh, that characterizes or deals with the restoration of God's worship. Um, bit of background before we get into it. Uh, God's people had been disobedient and unfaithful to him and so he sent them into exile in, in the land of Babylon and they were there for 50 years and, and what we've seen in the first two chapters of Ezra is that because of God's stirring, stirring the spirit of the Persian leadership of the new, the new regime uh, of the Persian leadership and stirring the hearts of the people of Israel, um, they were permitted to come back to Jerusalem to uh, reinstate and rebuild the temple that had been destroyed uh, by the Babylonians and to begin again afresh the worship of God. And so as a church we're, we're asking ourselves what can we learn uh, from this restoration community about God, how he prepares and how he stirs and how he equips and supplies everything that the restoration community needs. And our, we're having our hearts stirred and our faith built and our vision um, increased by what God can do. And if he can do it for them, in, in that stage of his history, then he can do it for us too at Foundation Church Belfast. And we're coming to Ezra chapter 3 today, and in my view this is a really superb part of the narrative, very encouraging, very challenging. And we're going to see two things today as we, we look through this Bible passage. First of all, we're going to see that restoration prioritises worship. And secondly, we're going to see that restoration necessitates hard work, worship and work. And so let's look first of all then and see how restoration prioritizes worship. It says in Ezra 3 verse 1 um, that this is the, the seventh month, that they're coming to the seventh month in the year. Uh, what has happened up until this moment? Well, uh, the first wave of returning exiles, about 42,000 of them give or take, have returned from Babylon to Jerusalem. They have tried to resettle in some of the broken down houses and broken down villages that are there. Um, they have sought to survive. They've sought to find water and, and you know, to be able to live off the land, to provide for themselves and their families. So they've been doing this, just trying to get through the next week and the next week and the next week, living hand to mouth. But now we come to a very significant time in uh, the ancient Jewish worship calendar the seventh month. It's the holiest month out of the entire year for the children of Israel. Why is it so holy? Well, it's the, it's the month when there is uh, three major festivals. Uh, the Festival of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the holiest day in the whole calendar, and the Festival of the Booze, a very holy month indeed. And it's during the seventh month that the people of Israel gather together in Jerusalem, it says, broken down, ramshackle old Jerusalem, and they begin to worship God. No walls of the temple, not even a single foundation has yet been laid, but it says that they built an altar and they set the altar in the same place as the old one used to be in the old ruins of the temple and they started to worship God. Restoration prioritizes worship. And we see under the, the leadership of the chief priest called Yeshua, and the governor called Zerubbabel, or Zerubbabel, uh, who himself was of the kingly line of uh, the kings of Judah, descended from great King David, under their leadership, Israel began 
to worship. And it says that they opened uh, the law, the law books written by Moses, and they started to follow uh, the prescribed pattern of worship that God had given to Israel through Moses from Mount Sinai many generations earlier. They opened it, they turned to the bit that says what to do, and they started to worship God. And it gives us details about what they did. It says that they began uh, the burnt offerings, part of their worship practice, twice a day in the morning and the evening, offerings up to God on the altar. Uh, once that was up and running, it says they got to the, uh, the part of the seventh month uh, where they celebrated in verse 4 the festival of booths or the festival of tabernacles as it's known what is the festival of tabernacles and why is that interesting to us well uh, as i said earlier it's one of the the, the the yearly celebrations and their ancestors many generations earlier um, as they were released from slavery in egypt and made their way to the promised land where this generation are currently stood um that earlier generation lived in tents in the wilderness on their journey to the promised land. And so as part of the yearly worship practices of Israel ever since then, for one week, all the people of Israel made themselves little tents and booths. They lived in them, probably in their backyard or, or in the park or somewhere nearby. Uh, and to remind themselves that their ancestors lived in tents for 40 years on their way to the promised land, that God brought them to the place of promise and blessing. And it ended up with, after that seven days of living in tents with a massive uh, gathering, huge worship ceremonies and a time of great joy and thankfulness for God and what he's done. And so this is the festival that the current restoration community are celebrating. Not only that, it says, but seasonal um, festivals were beginning uh, and also the free will offerings, you know, people giving to God out of thanks and worship to him above and beyond the minimum requirements. All these things taken together show us that the restoration community prioritizes worship. And it's just remarkable. Uh, when, you, when you think about it, it's remarkable that they did this because... There's lots of reasons that they could have come up with to delay starting worship. Um, they could have delayed because of their humble surroundings. Don't forget they were worshipping in ruins, you know, an old shell, broken down, moss-covered stones, and yet they chose to worship despite their humble surroundings. They chose to worship despite their fears. It says, uh, down in verse 3, fear was on them because of the peoples of the land. What does that mean? Well, we'll see that in the next few weeks. But even though the people of Israel had been exiled to Babylon, there were still people living in and around the old uh, shells, uh, taking um, ownership, if you like, whilst the people of Israel were away on exile. And they're referred to here as the peoples of the land. It's probably just people from local tribes and local uh, areas that had come in and sort of started to populate again. They were not particularly happy to see the children of Israel come back and start worshipping again. And we'll see that uh, next week and, and the week after. But they, the people of Israel chose to worship despite their fears. Um, uh, hostile neighbours, mocking, insulting, making life very difficult for them. But they chose to worship despite that. And they chose to worship despite being so very far away from achieving their vision, their goal of rebuilding the temple. They started to worship God anyway. 
they had vision of, of, of the throngs of worshippers, crowds and crowds of people flocking from not just from all Israel, but from other nations as well, coming to the temple to worship Yahweh, the God of Israel. And compared to that, the current community were a pretty sorry bunch. They were so far away from achieving that goal, that vision. Yet, restoration prioritizes worship. And you see, as we emerge together as a church from, from underneath lockdown and start to think about coming back to worshipping and gathering publicly again, we need to look at this community on mission, this community committed to restoration, and we need to be inspired by them and their practices. Because this community on mission in Ezra chapter 3 prioritised worship. They, they, they took, it took them great courage to publicly and, and boldly start the wheels of worship turning once again. And even when you read through, there's a sense of freedom that they are, even though they're in their humble circumstances and, and perhaps influenced by fear from outside, there's a freedom that we get to do this. We can do this. A sense of their purpose is being fulfilled as those wheels, the cogs, start turning again. And for us, as we return to worship, we must, in some respects, choose to worship. It is an active choice like them that we must take ourselves. Because perhaps like that restoration community in Ezra 3, we might come to back to worship uh, carrying a sense of fear. Um, it might be fear from hostile neighbours and those outside the church, you know, making it hard for you or for, for us. But it might be that your fears are, are about safety and about whether coming to church means I'll catch the virus and of course we'll take all those things into consideration and make our gatherings as safe and as uh, um, as easy to attend as possible uh, as we start the wheels turning in worship but maybe that sense of fear will, will put you off worship altogether maybe maybe you must choose to worship because you are overly aware um, of our humble surroundings as a church, whether we are gathering together in houses at the start or whether we're gathering together in our ordinary place of, of gathering at Asheville Girls High School. Or perhaps for you, it's slightly different. Perhaps for you, you need to choose to worship because you, you have a sense of heaviness uh, because we are so far from achieving the vision that we set out with at the start. Maybe that's a, a defeater for you when it comes to worship. Look, I'm, I'm highlighting these things um, at this stage in our preparations because we must return as a church ready for worship. We must be prepared for worship. Yes, there will be practical challenges that we will try and address and, and make as, as small as possible. Yes, it will be awkward for the first few times as we get back together again. Yes, there are uncertainties. Yes, it will feel odd as we return, but restoration prioritizes worship. We've got to remember the most important reason for our gathering is, is worship. It is making much of God, glory to the Father, in the Son, by the Holy Spirit. And so it, it is a choice. We have to choose to involve our hearts in worship, our whole being in worship choosing to gather, to lean in, to worship as a community. Maybe you are looking into Foundation Church from the outside. You're not, 
yet part of our community, but you're seriously thinking about it or even not seriously thinking about it, just starting to think about it. Well, maybe uh, some information might help and filling in some of the blanks practically how we do things. Uh, we meet, as I've mentioned, at Ashfield Girls High School in East Belfast. It's not a typical church building, of course, um, but it's a great space for us. It occupies a really easy location to get to. And there's loads of room for us. There's a great space and loads of room for, for our kids as well to run around and to do their kids' um, projects and kids' ministry together. Well, what do we do when we gather? Uh, we gather at 10.30 every Sunday. And we start our time with, with coffee and a chat, just checking in and, and getting to know each other and how's your week and, and that kind of thing. And then we start our worship time, which, which begins with uh, singing songs. Uh, and we sing songs especially that, that point us to, to God, um, that talk about who he is, uh, that talk about what he's done for us, especially uh, focusing on what he's done for us uh, through his son, Jesus, through the gospel. Uh, so we sing songs, we, we pray together. Uh, often, our, particularly on Sunday morning, our prayers are, are led from the front. Um, we, we read the Bible together. Um, the, the Bible verses are, are available on a sheet that you get as you come in. So uh, if you don't have a Bible or, or access to anything like that, then, then we have the verses. So you don't even need to worry about that. Uh, and then we learn together about the Bible through the sermon. Uh, someone stands up and teaches from the Bible to, to make the passage clear um, and, to, and to talk about how we as a community live out the implications of what we've just read together. Um, and at Foundation Church, many people say that we have a, and I believe we do, uh, have a friendly, a welcoming environment, uh, family-friendly, kid-friendly. Um, kids have their own group um, so they can go and, and during the sermon uh, learn about God themselves um, and have fun uh, whilst uh, parents and carers can engage uh, more in, in the meeting itself. You know, we actually have a series of articles on our website and the link to that is in the uh, either coming up on your screen or it's in the, the video notes below. Um, but if you want to learn a bit more about how we do worship, then you can, you can read those. But the best thing is, above all that, is just to come along. It's to try it out and taste. Uh, 10.30 on a Sunday morning when we get back to gathering, we'd love to have you on board. You know, worship for us, is, is of course, is more than just Sundays, uh, but it's certainly not less. Uh, for us, Sundays is about the, the rally cry. It is the central gathering. It's the, it's the point of our week where we come together and we point one another to Jesus and we say, He is good. He has done so much for us. He is, he is powerfully at work here among us and He sends us out on mission. So we'd love you to join the team. Well, the second thing we see in Ezra 3 is that restoration necessitates hard work. The order is important, by the way, before we get into the substance of that. The order is important. Worship comes first, then work. Worship, then work. Worship is us acknowledging and coming under the central truth of who God is and what he has done to save his people by giving his son Jesus to live a perfect life, die a death in our place, who rose to life and who poured out the Holy Spirit upon us from heaven. And so worship reminds us that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus. We, we have been adopted as God's sons and daughters through faith in, in Jesus. Uh, worship reminds us of our new identity as sons and daughters of God 
through faith in Jesus. It gives us a hope for the future. It reminds us that we are filled and to seek filling of the Holy Spirit to empower us for service. And so we start with worship. We get that in place. And then on the basis of all that, then we get to work. And the reason I'm highlighting this is because the order is, is really crucial. Um, otherwise, if we, if we flip the order, we get it horribly wrong because then we start working to receive those benefits. To, to become right in God's sight by hard work and graft and getting it done and pleasing him and all that. But the, the Bible says you can't do it that, that way. It's impossible. Um, you can't work hard enough or perfect enough or right enough to get into God's book, good books on your own steam. Only Jesus in his perfect life and death can do that. He's the only person who's ever done that. And, and through faith in him, you receive the benefits of Jesus' perfect life and his righteousness into you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then therefore, God is pleased with you. He, you are made right with God through, through faith. If we get the order wrong, then we end up working like a slave to try and earn forgiveness or acceptance. But we can't. But instead, worship comes first, then work. And we therefore work out of a sense that we are God's children with the rights and authorities and privileges of being sons and daughters of the Most High God. Then we work to bring him pleasure and to bring him glory. The order is important. So what happens here when the people get to work? Well, it says in verses 7 and 8, uh, the people use their resources, their money and their grants they got from, uh, from Cyrus, the, the king of uh, Persia. And they use that to buy materials, uh, particularly here, cedar trees from the country of Lebanon, sort of north of, of where Israel was. Uh, and cedar trees were, were uh, still are world famous, wonderfully uh, huge trees, very, very strong. And they were used uh, eventually to, to build the structure of the temple around which the walls were built. And so they, they purchased all that. They hired skilled artisans and laborers to come and help them. Um, perform some of these jobs. It says the Levites here, a certain tribe within uh, the people of Israel, they acted as supervisors for the work. Uh, some uh, prominent members of prominent tribes and families acted, acted as supervisors for the workforce. Um, well-organized, well-oiled system here in place goes to show that leadership and administration are both key gifts within the restoration community. Uh, it's not just the upfront leadership gifts that are important in God's eyes and in his community, but it's those behind the scenes administrative roles as well. Both need each other in order for healthy community to, to, um, to develop. Anyway, it says in verse 10 that the builders uh, laid the foundations in the second year. It took a long time, a lot of heavy work, but they laid the foundations in the second year. And when they did that, I love this. It says the priests in their vestments, in their, you know, their formal um, uh, attire, they came out, uh, followed with them as uh, um, trump, you know, Levites with trumpets and the sons of Asaph with their symbols, uh, leading worship, leading praise to God. Out they came. They just built the foundation. But it was a time of great shouting and, and joy, an outburst, a formal gathering, and yet just... Uh, Uninhibited joy as they saw God's work taking shape in front of them. The foundations have been laid and caused for great celebration. They said, they claimed, they sang out, He is good, God. His steadfast love endures forever. 
And they sang this like a call and response. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. He is good. This went on for hours and hours and hours. Shouting, jubilant scenes. Wonderful, celebrating this first milestone, significant milestone. Because restoration necessitates hard work. But even as they were working hard, they stopped to celebrate and to mark out the occasion. Just humble, humble. They're still in the ruins, don't forget. And, and they're still a sort of beleaguered, pitiable group of people, uh, all things being considered. And yet they were so jubilant, just wonderful scenes. And it's so important, isn't it, uh, for us as a church to mark and celebrate every step that we take on our journey uh, towards uh, being faithful to the calling God has given us to make much of Jesus in our, in our community, in our city. And so we have enjoyed, as, as a church, as Foundation Church, we've enjoyed celebrating wins as we have gone along from the very beginning, from the time that we launched in 2017, we celebrated that, uh, to our relocation to Asheville Girls' School in 2019. Our first baptism service, we celebrated that. There's, there's cake, there's food, uh, there's a sense of increased heightened thankfulness in our worship times together. And, and we're looking forward to more celebrations to come as well as we even restart our worship, our corporate worship again. We're going to celebrate that. Thank you, God. Uh, finishing our first Alpha course and, and some of the life-shaping experiences that we've all enjoyed through that. We're going to celebrate that. But as a church, of course, we, we dream for more. We dream for more celebration. As people come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to celebrate that. As we see more and more baptisms, you know, times, this sort of ceremonies where people public, publicly declare their allegiance to Jesus after coming to faith in him, we're going to celebrate that. It's awesome. Uh, when, when we get new church plants up and running and, and help other churches to come alive again, other old churches to come alive again. We're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate that as, as we reach out with the good news of Jesus and hear of more and more hearts and minds and lives and families being transformed. We're going to celebrate that too. As new life-giving ministries are begun and start bearing fruit in our church, we're going to celebrate that. In short, we are uh, on the way to forming a culture of celebration within Foundation Church, the heart of what we do. And of course, we, we expect to see more. Humbly, we expect to see more. Because when you think about it, if we prioritise worship, as we've just been saying, if it's all about God for us, and it's all about uh, giving our lives to serve Him and coming under His uh, authority and living for Him, then we humbly expect God as he reveals himself in scripture, to, to move powerfully, to transform lives. Uh, we do um, a, a form of Bible reading at Foundation Church called Community Bible Reading, and we read together in little groups, uh, three and four people. Uh, we read together the same text of scripture, and we reflect on it, and then we just sort of uh, encourage each other with one standout feature uh, that, that we have found each person. And this week I was reading with my friends uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. And, and this, this phrase really caught my attention. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He said in 2 Thessalonians 1, he said, May he, God, give you, church, the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then, he says, the name of our Lord Jesus will be honoured. That is, it will be celebrated because of the way you live and you will be honoured along with him. 
May he give you power. I love that, to accomplish what your faith has, 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 uh, has led you to do. Are you excited? I'm excited. I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to see what God is going to do through us and with us in this next season of ministry. But before we end, there is a warning in this text as well. There is a warning in verses 12 and 13. Don't forget the context is praise, shouting, joy, eruption of celebration, a beautiful, humble, yet, yet authentic moment of worship. And yet it says, some wept when they saw the foundation of the house being laid. Some wept. Why were people weeping? Why was there a sense of mourning in the hearts of some who had gathered that day? How is this, this, this progress a bad thing? This is the first step in the vision coming to pass. What's the issue? Well, when you examine the text, there's a little phrase in there that gives it away. It said that those who were weeping had seen the first house. They'd seen the first house, that is the old temple. Because there were some in that returning community who had still memory, maybe from young you know, childhood days, but they had a memory of the old place, the old temple and all of its glory and splendor. And compared to that, the current effort fell a long way short. They, they wept because in comparison, this current thing here, it has nothing on the old building. And so for them, that day was a day of mourning. So, so here's, here's the warning for us from Scripture as we, as we think about getting back for worship and, and, and building this culture together of, of, of celebration. Here's the warning. When it comes to the restoration of worship, comparison kills celebration. Comparison kills celebration. Beware of falling into this trap. We, we don't have much that is old at Foundation Church. We're only three years going ourselves. But we are much more likely to compare ourselves with other things, other churches, other people that are happening around us. Um, maybe other churches that we know of, that we've attended or visited or our friends go to, or other, even just other churches that we see or other, other you know, church leaders that we see on Instagram or other social media. We, we, we look at them and, and we think to ourselves, they're going so much better than we are. Um, they look so much more slick, judging by their social media presence. They seem to be growing so much faster than us. Their worship services seem to be much more effective. More people seem to be getting saved by attending those churches than ours. And so we bring this attitude with us to worship. But as I've just said, and as we see here, comparison kills celebration and i'm saying this to myself as much as to anyone listening uh, to this teaching but this attitude of comparison can bring the house down and so if we've been sucked into a spirit of comparison and comparing what we're doing and who we are and how we look and how it feels to 
what we perceive as happening in other churches and to other leaders and to other uh, Christians and all that, if we've been sucked into that, then the simple message is to repent, which means to change our thinking, to turn away, literally turn away from that and turn to Jesus and who he is and what he is doing. It's my central conviction in all of us that the God is, is doing a new thing among us at, at Foundation Church. And here in Ezra 3, we, we can see that it begins when we prioritize worship, no matter what is going on around us and the reasons why we could delay things and abandon worship until we get other things in place. But as we're seeing here, when we get the right order, then we are freed up to, to serve with our eyes firmly fixed on God and his plans for us. Let's not worry about what God is doing elsewhere. In fact, let's thank God for what God is doing elsewhere and pray for His more of his blessing on other churches and other leaders and other things that are happening. More, Lord. It's more than just Foundation Church. It has to be. Of course it is. We're just a small part in the grand plan that God has for Belfast and for Ireland and the entire world. We're a small part of that, but yet we get to play a part, a real substantial part in what God is doing. And that is exciting. And as we see his grace and his power breaking through us and, and through and into our city, then we will celebrate every win for the kingdom. No matter how big or small it is in our eyes, every time we see the green shoots of God's grace springing up and starting to bear fruit, we will celebrate. And so my invitation to you, whether you are a regular at Foundation Church or whether you are looking in, thinking of joining us, come and be a part of the celebration. It doesn't matter if you've got a church experience or background or not, there is room for everyone.